Hi, I'm Dr. Thomas McGinn, the Executive Vice President for the Physician Enterprise at Common Spirit Health. Today is Tuesday, January 18th, and welcome to the five-minute check-in. This week, we celebrate the life and work of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. In 1966, Dr. King said, of all the forms of inequality, injustice in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. While there have been many strides made in providing healthcare to all our communities, the COVID pandemic has demonstrated that we still have a long way to go. And the Common Spirit Health, we're dedicated to providing the best possible healthcare to all of our communities across the entire country. In addition to celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King's life, we're also celebrating the Medical Group Week. It's a good moment for us to stop and pause and think about all the amazing work we've done over this past year. In over 1,200 ambulatory sites, working in ambulatory surgical centers, working in hospitals, ICUs, emergency rooms, our physicians, nurses, APPs, and all the support staff have done an amazing job during this pandemic. I'm just so grateful for all the hard work that you've all done, all the sacrifices you've made, but also the innovation. We should all be really proud of our medical groups. To me, the medical groups are the heart and center of Common Spirit Health. So let's get on to what we're talking about today. We're gonna to review the status of Omicron. We're gonna talk a little bit about testing, which is in the news now. And I'm gonna end with a discussion on cloning, where recent publication in ACP Wise. So let's get started. So now for an update on Omicron across the United States. We're up to 800,000 cases per day. That's an increase of 33% on a seven day rolling average. Our hospitalizations are up over 24% on that same rolling average. And sadly, mortality is up over 30%, according to this CDC graphic that we're looking at. Here at Common Spirit, we're at approximately 3,400 cases. Our prior high was 3,600 cases, which we are clearly going to surpass. The good news is that the states that were impacted early on the East Coast, in particular, New Jersey, New York, Maryland, Puerto Rico, they're seeing a drop in those number of cases. Hospitalizations are slowly following behind, but there's always a lag between those two cases. Now, many patients, families, and even communities have asked me, now, Tom, why are hospitals filling up if Omicron is less severe? Well, the issue is, yes, it's less severe, but it's much more prevalent. So we have a higher volume of infected patients, therefore more patients in the hospital, even though Omicron is less severe. So now let's talk about influenza. Last time we spoke, I mentioned that influenza was on the rise. This is the recent update in the MMWR showing a slight downtick in influenza, but everyone is saying that's just a small episode and that it's gonna go straight back up. So what does all this information about Omicron and influenza mean? Well, it really means we need to reemphasize COVID vaccinations, booster shots for our patients, and also influenza. We need to get our patients vaccinated for influenza. It's not getting the time and attention that it deserves. Also, a refocus on masks. Please inform your patients, cloth masks do not work. They must wear well-fitting surgical masks, KN95s or N95s. Patients at high risk, I really emphasize that they should wear KN95s or N95s in crowded indoor spaces. So now let's talk about rapid testing. There's been a lot in the news about rapid testing. Two things. First, the federal government launched its website for free testing. So each household can order four free tests. The second was a publication in the New England Journal for physicians to review with their patients and how to understand those home tests. 
So as you can see in this image, which goes over the viral physiology, which I'm sure gives you flashbacks to your medical school days, we can see that the viral RNA comes in when you're pre-symptomatic and the viral antigen starts when you're symptomatic, which gives us the challenges interpreting testing. In this algorithm, you know, in the journal, it breaks it down to three segments. The first segment, A, is interpreting a test in somebody with a high probability of having COVID. So in this case, when you get a negative test, you should repeat that negative test to make sure. In section B, you can see this is a situation where someone has the moderate probability of having COVID. And when you have a negative test in this situation, you should monitor symptoms and repeat the test in two days. In the final scenario, you have a low probability of COVID in a patient. And in this case, a negative test is a negative test. So I really recommend people click on this link, review this so we can have good conversations with our patients because they're gonna be struggling with interpreting their test results. So finally, there was a recent publication, a meta-analysis that I was reading in ACP Journal-Wise that summarized some research that's been going on on proning in patients in the intensive care unit. Now, in my memory, at the early beginnings of this pandemic, I was rounding in ICUs and seeing dozens of patients that were paralyzed and going through proning, which is etched in my memory. And also many of the conversations, like how beneficial was that? In this meta-analysis, which was a review of 23 studies, they looked at the change in oxygenation from supine to proning. And here you can see in this graph that there was a dramatic increase in oxygenation when patients went from supine to proning. So it's interesting information. It clearly benefits our oxygenation. As most meta-analysis often conclude with, we need to do a prospective study to look at the different protocols in proning because it's not clear which protocol is superior. So we covered a lot today and thank you for joining me at the five-minute check-in and I'll see you in two weeks.